of like, is this something that you're even going to be able to handle? Yeah. So in that case, you have to almost put steps in place to protect that person from themselves. So that's where I used an annuity in her case. And I was like, hey, we're going to take a big chunk of this money and we're going to put it into this investment. And this investment is going to pay you a certain amount of money for the rest of your life. Welcome to Black Wealth Weekly Podcast, where you can find different guests being interviewed by me, Shaniqua Nicole, the Millennial Money Maven, every single week where we will be breaking down how they got into their respective industries and are creating wealth for their families. You don't want to miss an episode, so hit the bell and tune in. Welcome to this week's episode of Black Wealth Weekly. I'm your host, Shaniqua Nicole, the Millennial Money Maven. And this week, I am joined with Jacqueline Shattuck. Welcome, Queen. Hi, thanks for having me. Excited yes, to be here. awesome. Thank you for being here. So let me tell y'all, this queen is going to help you get your money together. She is a CFP, which stands for Certified Financial Planner and talks all things money. So I love everything that you do on your Instagram, helping women get their money together. Please introduce yourself and tell the people who you are. Well, firstly, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited Absolutely. to be here. Y'all, we go way back. Like, wait, can I share like the old stories from sure. like, way back in the day? Please do. <laughs> wait, how did we meet? How did we it was meet? so long ago. Was it through Mitch? So we did. Oh, we did an event together. So we did an event together. I think when I first met you, was it with Andre? Um, were you on the panel? Yeah, I was on the panel. We, I, we were both on a panel, and you were a financial planner. I forget. Was it was um, was the Six Figure Spot Trick at that event? I don't think so. Okay, so I did another event at that same place, um, downtown Atlanta, um, on... Um, on Auburn. Auburn. Yeah, on mm -hmm. Auburn. Yes. So we met at an event. Mm -hmm. You were pre -COVID. in the COVID. Pre COVID, yes. When the outside mm -hmm. was open. Mm -hmm. Well, y'all know Atlanta never closed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we were both, I guess it was a financial event. Mm -hmm. And so we were all, you know, talking about different financial topics and um, met her. She's a CFP in the space. I'm an independent advisor. And we just exchanged information and then just kind of start building from there. And then I think we found out that we had a mutual friend, which was mm -hmm. Michelle. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was way back yeah. before then, all of the glamour of the last <laughs> five years of Atlanta. Yeah. It's crazy how quickly things turn and people grow and you know yeah Atlanta's exactly. a beast of a place but. it is I love it here I love it here and I love what you're doing thank you with the awards with the podcast reaching more people who look like us who really need this information you know having gone on some other podcasts with um black hosts I realized a lot of them don't know what a certified financial planner is mm. and if they don't know then I know their audience can't know mm. so I'm excited to share with you guys so a certified financial planner is an individual who has undergone a lot of extensive um studying time they have a certain level of experience and they help people with their investments and overall managing their money gotcha and so how long have you been a CFP Let's see. It's been six years. -ish. Okay. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So I know you've been, uh, you started off working in like more of a corporate environment. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your corporate career. Just tell us how, number one, if someone wants to be a CFP, 
how do they go about it? Like, how do they even start the process of becoming a financial planner? So the best way I can really describe, like, my story of becoming a CFP and how it works for other people is when I got into financial planning, I realized that there was a real need for true, genuine financial planning, right? So you have a lot of people out here who say, oh, I'm a financial advisor, but, you know, they just sell insurance or they have, like, one mutual fund that they sell for a company. And so a lot of times people get taken advantage of in the mm. financial world. Yeah. And so that's why as financial advisors, we get a bad rap. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, well, they're just there to take your money and all these things. Yeah. So I realized that the certified financial planner designation, one, those people who go through that process, they take a fiduciary oath. So for somebody who wants to become a certified financial planner, the first place that they need to go is their bachelor's degree, actually, because I had somebody reach out to me. was like, hey, I'm a college dropout. I want to be a CFP. And I'm like, well, the CFP requires you to have a bachelor's degree. So you could have a bachelor's degree in anything. It could be culinary arts, but you have to have a bachelor's degree. Gotcha. So bachelor's degree first, and then you have to go through the coursework. Now, the coursework on average takes four to five years. Mm. Now, I did it in 14 months, which Ooh. I still feel like. Overachiever here, y'all. Like a long time. <laughs> that was a lot. Like it felt like a very long point in my life because it's a lot of intense studying, and you're learning a lot of information. Yeah. And so, what kind of program did you do? Was it like in class or online? You do it yourself. It was online. So oh wow. Self study. Self study. Mm -hmm. Woo! And you did that for fourteen months. Pre COVID. Yeah. So it was like ten months of studying, and then like three months of review of everything that you studied for 10 months yeah. and then like an actual eight hour exam wow yeah. eight, eight hours hour exam is crazy what yeah it's like two four hour sessions okay and so you have like a 45 minute break in between and people put themselves through this i think it just tests your discipline mm. right and that's why i tell people about like budgeting i know we'll get into some of those more like fun topics but that's why i tell people about like budgeting or anything financial related it's just about building a discipline like that's so much of what life is about is just building a discipline yeah so you need to build a study discipline right whether you're going to do it formally or if you just informally want to get more information create a study schedule right so watch this podcast every week you're going to learn a lot so i think it's just about building that discipline up gotcha so you have your degree you get your study you go and take this eight hour exam pass mm -hmm. and boom you're a cfp Boom, you need three years of experience to actually use the designation. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you would have had <laughs> so to work So if there aren't the, more hurdles. <laughs> if you had to work in the financial realm for at least three years, okay. you can call yourself a certified financial planner. Gotcha, and yes. So you submit that information to the board. And so typically you have to go and work under a CFP, right? Yeah, typically. Yeah. There yeah. are some instances where people haven't worked under a CFP. Maybe they worked like at a university or they were like a journalist or something and they just have to explain further like why they should qualify gotcha. to have their CFP. Gotcha. Very cool. So what, you know, what's the opportunity look like once you have your license? So the opportunity is very vast, especially because here in the States we're moving toward more of like a fee-only comprehensive financial planner type of environment and Versus less what? away from like the commission-based fees. Okay. So if you guys ever want to look at um, what we're doing here in the States, you can also compare it to other developed nations. So you can compare it to the UK or Australia. 
So a lot of the things that they do just overall, like from a whole entire like management of their country, we do things similar. So I went over to Australia and I studied their financial system for a few weeks and they only do fee only planning. Right. So like they don't you're not allowed to charge a commission for certain things Gotcha. because they want to make it more transparent about what's being charged yeah. and what people are getting. And so we would have to offer like full comprehensive fee only planning. So what does it look like to work with a financial planner? Like what's the transformation that you provide to people and why do they need to come and work with you? Mm, that's a good question. So I think that the idea of the transformation is to take somebody. The best clients are really the ones who have at least a baseline understanding of finances and how money works, right? And you're able to take them from not having all of the pieces that they need to being able to connect those few extra pieces that's going to help them elevate to that next level financially, right? So, for example, I had a client, he had a $2 million business, but he wasn't actually netting $2 million. Yeah. So we were able to figure out how to get him netting from he went from like 250k a year to 750k a year mm. just in his business alone to what he was netting personally wow right so being able to have those kinds of little pieces of information that you can interject into somebody's plan to take them from you know maybe step c or d to step like w right, right. to get them to that next level yeah but i mean I think, the goal at the end of the day it's not about what you make it's about what you keep Mm -hmm. So you're helping people understand the pieces that they need so they can keep more of the money that they're making. Yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. With the end, with the end goal being work optional. Like everybody wants that point where work becomes optional. And so I have replaced the word retirement with the word work optional because I don't think that people really want to retire yeah. in that sense of the word. Like it sounds very stale. Right. It's like, oh, I get my social security check and I chill out. <laughs> like, what do I do? Like, I watch Wheel of Fortune. Every, every entrepreneur I know, I ask them about retirement. They're like, oh, I'm never going to retire. I'm going to just work until the way to, to the day I die. And it's mm -hmm. because we get to do the things that we love. So you're always going to want to do the thing that you love. You yeah, know, so exactly. like you said, it's a work optional. Exactly. I like and that. Even people in the fire community. Right. They're like, oh, Fire, for those who don't know, financial independence, retire, retire early is what that stands for. And the people in that community, you'll notice a lot of them, when they do reach fire, they go and they do something else mm. for money. It's just something that they want to do more of, that they right. have more of an inclination to want to do. Yeah. And so I don't think people ever like fully retire. You know, some people do, but like my retired clients have been the busiest clients ever because they're like, oh, I have to go do this and do that. And it's like, so you never really retired. Yeah. I mean, you know, the goal is to have foundations and nonprofits and, you know, do philanthropy work and, you know, so life is busy in retirement. I yeah, can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it works optional, right? So right now I have a, a pretty exciting case where I'm working with a young lady. She's 33. She's making fifty two hundred thousand dollars a month. And she wants to be able to retire at 45. And it's like, if she doesn't inflate her expenses at the same rate that she's making money, mm -hmm. the likelihood of her having a work optional uh, situation at 45 is like very possible. Yeah. 50 to 100 grand a month. Like, yeah. This week's episode is sponsored by ABCs for Rich Kids by seven-year-old author and entrepreneur Bryce Nicholas. Please tell us where we can find your book. ABCSwitchKids.com. Awesome. This book is so amazing, guys. It literally goes from A to Z 
with different financial terms for your little loved ones. Awesome, so we've got F is for future value, E is for evaluation, H is for air. Guys, if you do not have this book, the Amazon number one bestseller, please go and grab it now at abcsforrichkids.com. So what kind of plan do you help put in place for somebody like that? Mm, good question. So it's like, let's take a look at your situation um, and let's take a look at where you want to go. And so in between time, what investments do you need to be making so that your money is making money for you and so you can live your life, right? So most of the investments are rooted in the stock market. Mm -hmm. And so I'm teaching them my triple threat investing strategy, which is which account types they need to set up, okay. having the account types set up, and then being able to fill the accounts with money, right? And use that money to build more money. Yes. So let's talk about this triple threat strategy. <laughs> Triple threat for those who are listening if you're new first of all make sure that you guys leave a five-star review or a comment okay so if this helps you let me know so the triple threat investing strategy a lot of people ask which account type is better the ira or the roth like this happens all the time and i feel like in 2020, 2021, it really blew up on the internet that everybody needs a Roth account. You need to be putting a ton of money into a Roth account. And I'm like, that's cool. But I genuinely believe that every financial product exists for a different individual, right? So just because there's 50 million out there doesn't mean that you need all 50 million. Mm -hmm. But let's try to figure out which ones you do need. Yeah. So with the triple threat investing strategy, the idea is set up these account types so that you can have more control over your tax situation and your investments right now and when work becomes optional. Right. So a lot of people need three account types. They need an IRA or a 401k, right? Those are in the same box. They need a Roth IRA or 401k, okay? If you are not sure if you have a Roth 401k through your employer, you need to double check that. And then the last account type is the brokerage account or the joint account, right? So the triple threat investing strategy, you need all three of these, all right? None of them are really any better than the other one. You just have one that is better suited for you during different periods of your investing life. Yeah. And so with the IRA and 401k, you guys need to make sure that you have that because what's going on there is when it comes time for work to be optional for you, you're going to take that money out of that account. And when you take that money out of that account, you're going to pay what we call ordinary income taxes on it. And ordinary income taxes are the taxes that you pay now. And that's the highest tax rate that you could be taxed at. So you want to make sure that you have that money because in the present day, it's allowing you to take a deduction on your taxes now. Right. So that's why you would want to be putting that money up. Then you want to do the Roth because it works in the opposite, right? So the Roth is after-tax money. Is this too deep? Are we going too deep on the You podcast? know, I think you are educating. That's what we're here for. <laughs> I don't want it to. I don't want it. I don't want people to get confused. Mm -hmm. So, but we do. So you have your before-tax, which is your IRA, your after-tax, and um, the after-tax is for what? Now, I did want to ask you why are taxes such a concern? Why do you have to plan for taxes? Good question. So you have three killers to your wealth strategy. So as you're building wealth, 
One of the killers is taxes. That's going to be one of the biggest killers to your wealth strategy if you don't understand them. And so you want to be able to mitigate taxes where possible. And you want to make sure that you're focused on inflation because inflation is going to be another really big killer to your wealth strategy. Most people are just now learning about inflation because it's so crazy now. Mm -hmm. Um, But even with taxes, right? Like people don't even know that once upon a time, you know, taxes can go up to 50, 60, you know, taxes can go up to 80%. 70% in the Carter administration. Right. So 70% federal tax. And then you're looking at state taxes that you have to pay if you're in that kind of state. Um, We haven't lived through that time, but it's possible, right? Especially with the times that we live in now where we have a government that's just dumping and pouring billions and billions of dollars into the economy. Um, you know, what this, we have to know that taxes are going to be raised in the future because that's the way that the country works. That's the way that it continues. Um, so, you know, I don't think people really plan too much for taxes. Um, so I just wanted to point that out that your taxes could literally go up to like 80%. Mm-hmm. And if you're not properly planning for it, you're not putting your money in the proper vehicles then you could, like, if you have all your money in a 401k and let's say when you're 70 ready to retire and use that money and taxes are 80%, you're stuck mm-hmm. paying 80%. You have no other options. If you have a million dollars, you now have 200000 If you need all of your million dollars, you pay 800000 in taxes if mm-hmm. taxes are 80%. So that's why taxes are so important. So I love your uh, triple threat, what is it? Triple threat investing Triple strategy. threat investing strategy. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, so like the killers to your wealth strategy are taxes, inflation, and market losses, right? So the market losses take place inside of the accounts. So imagine if you have a down, you retire, you have a down economy, but you need money from your account. So your million dollars is now $800,000. Plus when you take that $800,000 out, you got to pay all those taxes on it. So now you're down to even less than that. Right. But if you had another account type that you could balance that with, such as a Roth, which wouldn't have any taxes when you take the money out or a brokerage account, which also wouldn't have any taxes when you take the money out, then you have more flexibility and you have more control. And this is something that the wealthy have been doing for 20 years that we're just catching on to. Yeah. Yep. I love it. So, no, what you do is super important. Um, What made you go into this space of being a financial advisor? Uh, financial planner, rather, um, because what I do know is that black women probably represent like 0.1 of the CFP as a whole industry. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what made you, you know, at the end of the day, you are representing for so many women that are going to come behind you and, you know, coming into a space, you have they have such large shoes to fill because there are not many of us that are represented in this space. So what, what inspired you to even, you know, come into this business? Know, that extra pressure, like that extra you little just love bit the of pressure. pressure that, no, no, no. Like <laughs> it's just that extra little bit of pressure that we have to deal with being us. Like it was 2019, I believe. And I had a podcast interview and the gentleman asked me, he was like, do you feel like you're leading the way for other black women in financial planning? And back then I was like, no. Right. I was like, I'm just doing my job. Like, yeah. This is it. Like, um, you know, it's nothing special. And he was like, hmm, 
I think you should think about that. And I was like, all right, cool. So then I thought about it. It was maybe a couple weeks later, and I was like, well, inherently, if I am part of the 0.1% of women doing what I'm doing, I'm naturally leading the way. Yeah. Like, and that's when I started to take mentoring very seriously. And I was like, oh, okay, let me make sure that I'm helping people. Even though I haven't been in this career field, but like, you know, almost not even 10 years yet, like, I still think that I have more experience than somebody who wants to get in. Yeah. And there's plenty of room for everybody to be in this field. There's plenty of room for more black women certified financial planners. And I'm in this industry because my mother lost all of her money due to full, poor financial advice. Mm. We foreclosed on a house, like had pretty much nothing. And I had a lot of questions. I was like, I don't understand what happened. There's no reason why you should inherit a million dollars and then have nothing to show for it four years later. Mm. And so I decided to go find the answers thanks to Google. Appreciate y'all. Shout out to Google. Like <laughs> I Googled, came across the certified financial planner designation. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Mm. And so here I am. Wow. It's so interesting how our journeys and trauma and things in our past lead us to the careers and stuff that we decide to do and find fulfillment in, you know? Um, but it sounds like you were a curious, curious George, mm -hmm. curious yeah, child. Um, so you said your mom came into a million dollars. Did she inherit that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up on a thousand acre ranch. Okay. And long story short, the property got sold out from under us. And at the same time, my grandfather passed. Mm. And so my mother received a little over a million dollars in inheritance. And, you know, we went from like nothing to almost winning the lottery in yeah. a sense. Um, and then... Within about four years, that all that money was gone. So, what was she doing when she inherited the when she you know came into her inheritance? Was she working? Was she, was, was she yeah, entrepreneur? Yeah, single mom working like three jobs. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then she actually reached out and tried to get financial advice, but the problem was he didn't have her best interest at heart, mm. right? Like we know he never talked about like cash flow planning or the fact that if you inherit a million dollars at thirty five and you don't have a really high like earnings potential there's no way that you can actually support like four children and live off of that forever it's yeah it's just not a million dollars isn't what it was yeah it's, even 10 years ago it still wasn't possible and nobody had that conversation with her of like hey you guys like a decent amount of money but not enough for you to retire especially yeah. when you need to buy a home right and all these things so yeah she just ended up losing everything and mm. it was hard because she did go talk to a financial advisor yeah but so do, did you ever find out what that bad advice was that he gave her? Yeah. So basically what she did was she went to him and said, hey, I have all this money. I need to invest it. He said, OK, cool. Like, you know, how about we just set up some 529s? Because I know you want your kids to go to college one day. So he basically set up 529s for all of her children, put all of her money inside of the 529s. Inside of the 529s, which I'm talking really fast. So 529, a 529 account is a college funding account. So when you have children that you want to send to college, you can open up a 529 account and you can put money in there and you can invest it. And then that money grows tax deferred. And when you take it out for college expenses, there's no taxes on it. So he put all of her money into those accounts. Well, inside of those accounts, they also had a lot of really heavy fees in them. Mm. And if you take that money out and you don't use it for college, you pay a lot of penalties yeah. on top of taxes. Right. So my mom was just, you know, being taxed at like 60% for mm. all the money that was coming out, which it was a down market and he was also getting his portion of it. So yeah, 
the money went really, really fast. Yeah. Um, and there was just nothing there. So there's no reason why a financial advisor should have a conversation with you and, you know, you say one thing that you want to do and that's the only thing that they do. Yeah. Right. There's no reason why I know you have kids. I would talk to you and say, Hey, yeah, let's, you know, all of your goals, you want to work optional to be a thing one day and you want to be able to buy another house. Well, let's just do five twenty nines for your kids. Like, what about all the rest of the things that you right. want to what do about with your living? Life? Like, <laughs> so, yeah. That was, no, so that, that, that leads right into, you know, a next question is, what would you advise someone who comes into a windfall of money or, you know, maybe blows up, which we've seen, you know, people through the pandemic start businesses and now they're making millions of dollars. How, you know, who do we talk to and what do we need to do to put in place so that, we have a little money in four years. Now, like you said, a million dollars is not what it used to be. So if I had to give my opinion, I would say you need to start a business. You need to figure out a way to generate some income. But what would be your plan for them? I know you talked about cash flow planning and all of that. You know, what? where, where do you even start? If somebody came into a million dollars, I think we first would need to do like a skills assessment. So like you said, start a business. We need to do a skills assessment. Are you capable of starting a business? Like, do you have any skills, right? Can we set aside a little bit of money, like seed money for you to get this started and to get some money going? Or how does that work? So I think we would first start with a skills assessment and we would first start with a mindset assessment. So it was very interesting when I first got into the industry, I was about maybe like a year and a half in and I got this client placed on my desk and this client was, almost a replica of my mother Mm. so this individual her mother had been hit by a marta bus Mm. and so she received a little under a million dollars and that's it yeah that that part right (laughs) i'm just like her mom got hit and killed by a marta bus right and she got a little under a million dollars but mind you this woman had been living on like section eight yeah all food stamps like nine children in a two-bedroom house um, which was like extreme for my mom, but a similar case where she just got in this windfall, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, I guess exactly job, what man. I had been like praying for. I was like, oh, I want to be able to help somebody in this situation. But so much of it goes back to like the mindset. Like there's no way in her case she could have started a business. Mm. She, just, she didn't have any skills. She didn't, she wasn't working. Yeah. Like she never really worked in her whole life. So you have to do like a skills assessment first and a mindset assessment. I think, what are the stats for people who lose their, their lottery winnings? Oh, it's like 94% of girl. people go broke. Within, in like two, three years. Yeah, exactly. Like, the guy who won, like, the biggest lottery ever in history, I think his name was Nick. Like, he went broke within, like, three years, like, spending money on, like, parties and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. it's the first, it's the mindset. Like, it's the skills assessment and this mindset assessment of, like, is this something that you're even going to be able to handle? Yeah. So... In that case, you have to almost put steps in place to protect that person from themselves. So that's where I used an annuity in her case. And I was like, hey, we're going to take a big chunk of this money and we're going to put it into this investment. And this investment is going to pay you a certain amount of money for the rest of your life. Mm. Right. And that's because she couldn't handle having the access to To all that money. So like if we had gone forward with the whole triple threat investing strategy, she still would have been able to access that money really easily. And I wanted to make sure there was a barrier there for her to protect herself. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. As we're strengthening her mindset and as we're building her skills so that she can, 
you know, be productive and a, a good part of society and to just be able to keep her money and provide for her family. Yeah. So that's kind of where we start with somebody who has like a windfall. Gotcha. I love that. Um, protecting yourself against yourself. Yeah, sometimes we have to do that. I don't think we talk about that enough. No, seriously. I mean, I, I got to do it sometimes in my daily life, exactly. you know? Um, sometimes our negative talk and, you know, we're wants or we see shiny things and, you know, um, <laughs> we, you know, it, it's, it's, it's necessary. Mm -hmm. um, so for somebody who's never had to do that or never had the, you know, time or space to even be able to yeah. do that. You know, I, I think, I think even having the option to do that is a blessing, you know, that we kind of take for granted. Um, because not a lot of people even have the opportunity to say, Hey, I am my worst enemy, mm -hmm. you know? No, that's real. Um, but yeah, so no, that, so that, that's awesome. So I love that story. Um, so you found, you had your client that was a replica of your mom and you were able to help her. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. And then that's when I birthed the never broke again formula. Okay. Because for me, I was 17 years old. Um, my mom had just caught a felony mm. and this was like all kind of a snowball effect of losing the money and everything just kind of spiraling out of control and I remember standing um, in the living room of the house that she was uh, getting ready to foreclose on. And it seemed like everything was just falling apart. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to promise myself that I'll never be broke again. Mm. And that's what I have tried to replicate and teach other people now. And so I have my Never Broke Again Formula Masterclass where I'm teaching everybody all the things that I learned over the last eight years not only from the certified financial planner designation, but just from other financial techniques that are out there that people need to know about. Yeah. So that they will never be broke again in life. Yeah. So what does it take to never be broke again? I want to know. <laughs> it takes a it takes a mindset shift, like first of all. Yeah. Right. Like it's having these repeated conversations with yourself, like talk to me nicely. Like, remember, like, yo, I think the biggest thing is reminding yourself like that you're worthy. Like, I know that's your whole goal of the podcast is Girl. telling people like, you do know that you're worthy of wealth, yes. right? Like you're worthy of having money. Like you should yes. have nice things. You shouldn't run from that, but you should also have nice things you can actually truly afford. Right. And so part of never being broke again, like a lot of us come from really humble beginnings, you know, maybe we had a stable life, but we didn't have everything that we wanted. Right. And um, I just want to see other people who look like us get the things that we want out of life. Yeah. It's like, why would you like I remember sitting in a cubicle in my office and in the summertime, it would kill me. I was like, this is summer. I'm supposed to be outside at the pool having a good time. <laughs> like, what good is life if we don't actually get to live it? So why don't we find ways to make money? Right. While we're doing other things. So that we can have the freedom and time and be able to enjoy the things optional. we want to have work be <laughs> optional, right? And it's and it's like one of my favorite things is helping clients plan for sabbaticals, yeah. like plan for a time off of work. Oh, girl. Everybody First of it. all, black women know nothing about sabbaticals. This week's episode is sponsored by ABCs for Rich Kids by seven-year-old author and entrepreneur Bryce Nicholas. Please tell us where we can find your book. ABCSwitchKids.com. Awesome. This book is so amazing, guys. It literally goes from A to Z with different financial terms for your little loved ones. 
Awesome. So we've got F is for future value. E is for evaluation. H is for air. Guys, if you do not have this book, the Amazon number one bestseller, please go and grab it now at abcsforrichkids.com. So being coming from a corporate background, I've seen white women do this time after time. And I'll say this. So I've worked in corporate America for 10 years, 10, 11 years. And, um, you know, I've seen white women go leave the workforce, have their children and then try and come back. Um, I've seen black women try and then they try and come back and they can't get a job. Um, so talk, talk to us, what is a sabbatical number one? Cause I don't think that's something I don't think that's a benefit any black woman has ever used in their corporate career because of fear, right? We want to, we feel like we have to show up. We have to go all out. We have to secure our spot. Um, so we barely take vacation days, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, so what's a sabbatical and how do you plan for one? Mm, so a sabbatical is when you take a designated time off from your job. So depending on how big your corporation is, they should have a like sabbatical, you know, step-by-step -step guide like in your handbook. Yeah. So if you overlook that, go back and read it because Girl, it's an opportunity. You read the handbook. <laughs> uh, I never... I don't think we ever had like a sabbatical um, I inside read a of our handbook. <laughs> but you have to go back and read it. I think that's part of like being a nerd. Like that's what my clients would have me do is I literally would read through their, their benefit. benefits from yeah. their job yeah. to let them know, right? Yeah. So I feel like you read through it when you're looking for something. When you're like, hmm, I want to take a month off. Like where is the guidelines about this? Right. So you have to go back and read what's the option. And then you may have to ask some questions. You may need to ask HR, what does this look like? And so helping clients plan for a sabbatical is very cash-based. It's like, okay, do you have the cash to sustain this sabbatical that you want to take? First of all, what is it going to look like? Are you going to be traveling, right? Are you going to go stay in Bali for a year? Like, what does that look like? Are you going to rent out your house? Are you going to keep paying for it? Yeah. So it's more so asking you, like, what's your vision for it? And I feel like I ask people all the time, what's their vision for their life? And I think a lot of us don't even have a vision. Mm. And I know why that is, because we're so caught up paying the black tax. Like, as women, we pay the most black tax ever. And the black tax is the tax that you pay for being a professional and getting to the bag. Because once you get to the bag, everybody around you needs some of the bag, right? Like, your kids need it. You um, Oftentimes, we're single moms. So, like, we're taking care of kids. We're taking care of other family members, right? Parents, brothers, sisters. And so you're paying the black tax is what that's called. So yeah. your money doesn't stretch as far. And because you're so stressed about your money and you're not thinking about, okay, what's that next step? You're thinking like maybe the next six months when you need to be thinking like the next six years. Mm -hmm. What do I want the next six years to look like? Right. Because for me, I did all of that early. So in my early 20s, I was like, you know what? I just want to set myself up so that in my late 20s, I can be kind of chilling and I can kind of be like in a work optional semi-retirement kind of phase. Yeah. But it took a lot of planning to get there. Right. And then that's why I created the Never Broke Again formula because I made a lot of mistakes along the way. And I lost a lot of money. And had I known some things, I probably could have gotten there faster. But right. I wanted to create that because 
a lot of us, like you said, we don't know about sabbaticals, we don't think about sabbaticals, and we don't think about the fact that you have to take a step back from whatever situation you're in, right? Even your own life, take a step back from that to be able to have a clear vision to see what it is that you want to actually see for yourself. Mm. I love that, girl. And I already told you, I think the space and time um, being able to do that is such a blessing. And I, 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 I am so grateful, you know, for that in, in my life because I noticed in so many other and so many women how, you know, number one, this country is just set up for us to work, work, work. Right. So they want you to work 40 years, 40 hours a week for 40 years and retire on 40 percent of your income. And it's set up that way to keep you so busy that you don't think about your own feelings. You don't think about your own goals. You don't plan, you know, and you don't even have enough money to survive. So you're always in survival mode. So like to even step back and have the freedom of thought, you know, is a blessing and is a place of privilege, honestly. Um, so that's why we're here, right guys. That's why we have this podcast to, um, let you know that you are worthy of wealth. Like Jacqueline said, um, and you know, your version of wealth exists, right. And you just have to figure out what that is and what it looks like for you. Um, but I love the work optional. I'm in that phase of my life right now. I feel like even with you, you know, when you were work, I feel like you work more now than you did before when you were working a job. So like before you before you left your corporate job, girl. First of all, she's fly. She she be on Instagram with her bikinis and traveling and stuff. But before you know, you went full out entrepreneurship, girl. You used to always be out traveling, and you still do. You still are always out traveling. But because I know all the work you're putting in, I know you're working a lot as well. Um, so how has that transition been from going from like a corporate planner? to being independent and like, what are you up to these days? Mm, What's the transition look like? I think I always kept my hand in entrepreneurship anyways, even when I had a corporate job, I just realized, and I'm going to steal this bar from uh, Storm Leroy, like your job is your first business partner. And so a lot of the internet is downplaying like, oh, if you have a W-2 and you have a nine to five, like you're just not it. That's not it. You need it. But it's no, you need to learn how to use that strategically. To that's get your you first to that level of leverage. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it really is. And it's the easiest. Yeah. Like, it's already secure. Lending, right. Like it's secure. It's, you got your money coming in and then like to get lending for anything is just so much easier. It's like, oh, I have a job. Cool. They're like, oh, okay, great, 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 great. So I literally, when I was going to get a mortgage, they told me if I had, because I'm an entrepreneur, I needed to have a 750 credit score and, you know, just all these requirements because I work for myself, right? Even if you make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year and I'm like, okay, well, what if I have a job and I'm on a W-2, right? Because I do get paid for my company. And he's like, well, if you have a job, you just need to make 50,000 and have a 650 credit score. Mm-hmm. So you telling me a person makes fifty thousand dollars is more secure than my couple hundred thousand a year? Mm-hmm. Which is so crazy to me because I always feel like entrepreneurs will find a way to get it done. Yeah. Where, um, okay. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> and I just feel like we'll find a way to get it done. Oh, listen, like, it got done. Yeah. You know, you go find another product. There are millions of products no, out I'm saying, there. I'm saying like. Think down the, like ten years down the line, oh. things are rough. I feel like an entrepreneur is gonna figure out how to get that bill paid. They're oh, like, gotcha. Oh, I went through all this work to get this. <laughs> You're not gonna take it from me like that. Right. So, um, but yeah, I think it is crazy how that works. 
Um, but that transition, I think people need to understand, like, your job is a genuine blessing. And I tell people, if you want to increase the value of anything, like, like, like you said, having the ability to step back and be able to think about things, that is a true blessing. Yeah. And in order for you to understand the value of that, I think you just need to appreciate it more. I think a lot of us don't take a moment for gratitude, right? We don't take a moment to appreciate what we have. And so it's hard for us to see the blessings that are there. So I think you should see your W-2 as a, an extreme blessing and use that as a tool and a stepping stone to get you to that point of entrepreneurship, right? So my transition from corporate to 1099 wasn't as smooth as I would have loved, right? Like, I think every entrepreneur realizes you run into a lot of hurdles. Mm -hmm. Everything doesn't go exactly like you plan it. And so, you know, it wasn't easy, but I don't think that I would trade it for anything else, right? Like, I think that I found what my purpose is. And I try to help others to find their purpose, too, because I think a lot of us get caught up in finding our potential. Mm. When you go to make that shift from W-2 to entrepreneur, you're trying to find your uh, potential, right? And you're like, well, what's my potential? How do I meet my potential? And so it's like, okay, cool. I have six-figure potential. I make six figures. Great. Check that off, right? But you're like, but I'm capable of more, so now I'm going to make 250. But then you just keep pushing your potential out. Mm. And I never want anybody to find their potential but miss their purpose, mm. right? So start making a million dollars and say, oh, cool. Like, this was my potential. I was a seven-figure earner. That was my potential, but you missed your purpose. Like you, you didn't express gratitude for the things that you have. You didn't share your knowledge with anybody else. Right. You didn't teach anybody else to do what you were doing. You're selfish. <laughs> you were selfish. Right. Like, no, just, I think finding like what, what your purpose is, is really, really key. Yeah. That's deep, sis. <laughs> yeah. I struggled with that though. Personally, like I kept, Wondering why we're well, yeah. meeting my potential. So this is the thing about her, what I do know, because we're very similar. We hold ourselves accountable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am I call bullshit on myself all the time. And I know you do the same. I know you're hard on yourself. You're a high-achieving woman. And I think that's just a part of the people in our circle, right? Like, you have to hold yourself accountable because as an entrepreneur, no one else is. Yeah. Right? Um, so... I know you say that with a good heart, you know, and, and I know you say that out of your own experience and now you're helping implement that with your clients. So that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Just finding your purpose. Yeah. So you said you have master class coming up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The so the never broke again formula. Is I love available. that. Yep. I'll make sure we get all the details to link it below. Yes. Just so we can teach women like you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel like you're stuck in a box, right? You shouldn't feel like you're stuck in a cage. You shouldn't feel like, you have to work until you're 65 or 70. Like we can make a, we can make a plan, can make a goal. And I think what a lot of people, women don't realize is that goal involves you actually just making more money, mm. figuring out a way for you to make more money. Yeah. Like that's the biggest thing. Like yeah. if you are like, Oh, I think I need to talk to a financial planner, but you don't actually have any money. Then there's nothing to really financially plan except for you getting more money. Right. So I think that that's really the first step that a lot of women need to take. Yeah. But again, I share all of that in the Never Broke Again formula nice. so that we can just get out of this perpetual poverty riven cycle that we're just stuck in. Yeah. We deserve better. Absolutely. So, last thing. Um, who Who's your ideal client? Like, who, when? 
do I, as a responsible individual, decide that I need to go and see a financial planner? Good, good question. So that's part of why I wanted to create my formula, my masterclass, because at the price that it's listed, $997, you know, as long as you can afford the $997, which also has payment plans, like you can get access to a financial planner. Gotcha. And the idea is for that course to replace you having to go hire an expensive financial planner. So how right? much is it typically to work with a financial planner? So it completely varies, right? It just depends on what kind of service you're looking for. Um, to work with me, it starts at $8,000. So that may not be in your budget, but nine ninety seven may be in your yeah. budget, right? So you can start getting all of the information that you need in the beginning. But yeah, it, it can cost quite a bit. Like you have some financial advisors who are like, oh, well, I manage assets. And so I need you to have a quarter of a million dollars to even for me to manage, have a conversation, which is outside of your 401k, right? It's like, do you even have assets outside of your 401k? Can you even afford this? I'm not sure, but I know that you need, everybody needs solid financial information. Yeah. Right. And so that was why I did that. Awesome. I love it. So you have taken what you've learned as a financial planner as an entrepreneur, as an advisor, really, to high net worth individuals and packaged it up in this masterclass, I'll be joining. You know, I'm just a nerd, too, so I'd like to learn. <laughs> no, I got you. I got you. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you know, we just need to band together as women. Um, and, you know, we're both in finance, so I always love to support, you know, other, other women. And that was, you know, what I loved about our relationship from the jump. It was like, okay, we're both planners. You're independent. I, this is what I do. Let's see how we can work together. Let's see how we can help each other. Here's some resources, you know, so, um, it's always been love and I appreciate that from you. Yes. I love, I love our girls together. Yeah, And I can't believe we fumbled in the beginning. I was like, wait, how did we meet? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Horrible, horrible. But you know, it's been years. It's been a lot of, a lot of meetups. And these days, we're even traveling together. Yes. So, so much fun. So much fun. <laughs> but yes, y'all, this is my girl, Jacqueline Shattuck. Please let them know where they can find you, um, how they can follow you, and tap into all of the knowledge that you have. You guys can find me on all social media platforms at Jacqueline Plans, J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E, and the word plans, P-L-A-N-S. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for watching. I hope you guys got some super dope, amazing information out of this week's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to Black Wealth Weekly. I'm your host, Shaniqua Nicole, and I will see you next week. Thank you for watching this week's episode of Black Wealth Weekly. I'm your host, Shaniqua Nicole, and I hope to see you next week. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, turn on the notifications, and head to blackwealthweekly.com where you can read all the new episodes of these entrepreneurs and so many others.